This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, a public event, a, a time when Jesus enters Jerusalem for the final time as he heads toward the cross. And we're going to witness how people are just ecstatic and exuberant. Have you ever uh, just been filled with, with a great sense of, of joy about something? You, you feel the energy in the room. You know, it could be a, a rock concert. It could be a symphony. It could be anything that, that where people come together for a common cause and you're just kind of lifted to something above and beyond the, the sum of all the parts. You know, in sports, you know, it's the Stanley Cup or, uh, for hockey or in football, it's uh, the Super Bowl in basketball. There's something about that Final Four. And, of course, in baseball, you know I'd get around to baseball, it's the World Series. And anybody here this morning um, present in Game 6 of the 2011 World Series when David Freeze hit that home run? Anybody, anybody here this morning that was there? We had a, yes, you were there. You, yes. I see that hand, Mike and Gordon. All right. I am told that the stadium actually shook, that there was such an exuberance, and I've seen, seen the tape, that, that filled the area, that, that people were be beyond comprehension with joy. Uh, in 2004, that was my favorite memory at the ballpark, where I saw the Cardinals come back from the Astros and win game seven of the National League playoffs that year where I remember Scotty Rowland hit the home run and Jimmy Evans made the great catch. And I tell you, when they won the game, the 24 players came out and they just piled on each other at second base. This was 10 years ago, just like yesterday. And we were just hugging and kissing and loving on each other all around us, Cardinal Nation, going crazy. We didn't know each other. It didn't matter. But there was something about getting caught up in the moment. Well, we're going to talk today about a deeper joy, a much more profound sense of exuberance that isn't just in the moment, but it stays with us. We're going to look at this story from the gospel, that day that we call Palm Sunday, where Jesus enters Jerusalem for that final time. And today I want to invite you just to stand with me for the reading of the gospel from Matthew chapter, excuse me, Luke. Chapter 19. After he said this, he, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. And as he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice 
for all the deeds of power they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and on glory in the highest heaven. Now some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these would be silent, the stones would shout out. Amen. You can have a seat. The people are loving on Jesus. You know, up till now, it's been kind of hush-hush. Don't tell anyone he's the Messiah. It's been under wraps because Jesus couldn't even enter a town. He was so popular. And Jesus didn't want to bring things to a head too soon because his opposition was building against him. But now the time has come. He goes public. It's out there. It's clear. This is the Messiah. This is the Christ. This is the anointed one of God. This is the Son of God. This is our King. This is our Lord. He is coming on a colt. And what you see before you is a reenactment of the prophet Zephaniah, who centuries before Jesus arrives on the scene, says these words, Rejoice, O daughter Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem! Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the people spread their coats along the road and in some translations, in some Gospels, they, they pull out the palm branches. And i got to tell you, uh, we were planning worship uh, this week, a couple of weeks ago about palm branches. And uh, I was trying to explain to, to Adam that uh, we have these real palm branches. And, and uh, he said, no, I just thought, I've just seen these blades of grass. And I just hate to tell you that Adam was right and I was wrong. I mean, these are, these, these are the wimpiest palm branches I've ever seen in my life we handed out to you. But they weren't wimpy that day. And friends, uh, a palm branch to a Christian is like a, a towel to a sports fan. There was just a sense of an exuberance that, that took over people. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, didn't like it. They had had, they'd had enough of Jesus. They'd had it up to here. They're not followers of Jesus. They're not even fans of Jesus. And so they tell him, tell your people to hush up. And that's when Jesus says, hey, they're quiet. The very stones around us are going to shout out God's praise. Today I want to talk about the importance of, of exuberance, of joy. Praising God. I want to talk about the importance of uh, letting it out and finding it within our hearts and our spirits and expressing it to God. Now, there are times in our lives we don't feel like that. You know, times are tough. We, we're going through tough times. We have difficult circumstances in our lives. We, we may not feel very thankful. Or, but there is something about releasing praise and giving praise 
that changes our spirits and, and, and changes our hearts. Susan and I um, are really blessed to, to have each other. She is my wife, uh, my confidant, my prayer support, my prayer partner, uh, my best friend. And sometimes Susan and I compare notes. That is, we, we talk about what we think God's saying to us. And, and it's interesting that for the last couple of weeks, God has been saying to me, why don't you praise me more? Why don't you praise me more? And last Monday, as I was working on this message, Susan came to me and she said, God has been saying to me uh, to experience a deeper joy in him, a deeper joy in him. The last uh, few weeks have been pretty difficult ones for our family as Susan's brother Mike has been on life support. And uh, it's been a long time, a long journey since a, a head injury last May, and it's complicated. And he finally passed on last Thursday. And so it's not like we always feel like praising God, or it's not that we put our plastic faces on, <laughs> but, but it's a deeper sense of knowing who God is. Now, we need to remind ourselves that when Jesus enters Jerusalem that Palm Sunday, he's not going to a party. He's going to a cross. And yet he gladly receives the praises of his people that day. And God still gladly receives the praises of his people. Maybe a Maybe you're searching in your spirit for that, that attitude, that, that, that release of praise that you need today. There's a verse of scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that, that means a lot to me. And to me, it, it really expresses what I need to do uh, when I don't even feel like it. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Always keep that that spirit, that relationship, that conversation going with God all the time. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Now that's, that scripture, as you look at it, doesn't tell us to praise and thank God for all things. There are some Christians who interpret it differently. I know there's some Christians that say, I thank God for everything. I don't. Because I don't think everything that happens in this world is God's will or what God wants to happen. I don't blame God for stuff. I don't attribute things to God. Not all things. So I don't thank God for all things, but I thank God in all things. I thank God in the midst of what is happening in my life, come what may, that his grace is sufficient for me. I thank God that he has promised never to leave me or forsake me. I thank God that I can really fully trust him. I think the Eugene Peterson in the message really gets this translation right when he says, be cheerful no matter what. 
pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way. God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. Don't suppress the Spirit. Susan, as she was uh, hearing from God, and God calling her enjoyment, enjoyment, he was speaking to her through a prayer of St. Teresa of Avila. And this prayer is printed on the front of your Pray, Study, Grow. And that, that prayer, I'm going to read it to you, calls us to this deeper reality and presence that's with us all the time. Listen to the words. Just these two words he spoke changed my life. Enjoyment. What a burden I thought I was to carry, a crucifix, as did he. Love once said to me, I know a song, would you like to hear it? And laughter came from every brick in the street and from every pore in the sky. After a night of prayer, he changed my life when he sang, enjoyment. Do you know that God sings over us? Yeah, maybe you have children. Do you ever just sing over them, at, maybe in their crib at night or before their bedside or hold them in your arms? Scripture talks about how God sings over us. And God inhabits the praises of, of his people. When, when we sing to God, we're we're really just kind of singing back a love song that he started. Friends, it's not that we love him. It's that he first loved us. And when this love grabs you, when this love gets a hold of you, it'll change your life. I think God is saying to his people, enjoy me. Enjoy my presence. Climb up on my lap. Embrace me. God inhabits the praises of his people. And when we are people that, that praise God, the atmosphere changes. It changes around us and in us and through us. I love stories that happen around here where people are experiencing personally Christ in their life. I love what happens when we're out doing ministry and Jesus shows up. A couple of weeks ago in the food pantry, there were a couple of clients that came to receive food, and they didn't know that we only had scheduled worship services here on Sunday morning. They didn't know any better. And so in the midst of, of this food pantry, they begin to sing, and they have these beautiful voices, I am told, I was not present. And as these women were singing praises in the prayer room nearby, there was a woman that was receiving prayer because she, has, she had been in a lot of pain. And you know, pain is physical, and it's emotional, and it's spiritual, and it's, it's mental. It's so many things so intertwined. It's hard to know sometimes where our pain comes from. But there are a lot of people that are in chronic pain. And as this person was being prayed for, 
she was asked, are, are you in a hurry? She says, no. Well, let's just listen to these words. Let's just take this in. And while, while in the midst of, of this worship and this praise that's filling the food pantry, the outreach center, <clears throat> after a while, the person praying for her asks, how are you feeling? She was completely free of all pain. You know, I've, I've heard people say in cantatas, in, in musicals, in, in places, that when we get caught up in the praise of God, we're raised to a, a different dimension. There's a release that happens to us. God comes in and changes us. <clears throat> One of our important ministries in this church <clears throat> is led by our Joy Pickers. <clears throat> they're a group of, they're a band that's uh, about three times older than some of our praise band members. They're going to nursing homes and retirement homes and <clears throat> assisted living two or three times a month along with the senior saints. And every time they come back, Cheryl Mall, who's our traditional worship leader, she just kind of floats into the office. She's just, she's on a different level of joy. And she tells these stories about how they've been to this place or this place or this place, and the whole atmosphere changes in these people's lives as they, they just begin to pick, pick the music and sing the songs. How the people with dementia or people that are... Sh shouting out with pain they, they just kind of quiet down and settle in and and even begin to sing the songs my own mother is is 94 years of age this fall and she's in the memory care unit and her circle is getting very very small sometimes she knows me and sometimes she doesn't but when they come in and sing old gospel songs that she cut her teeth on if she can hear them she just leans back her head and sings away it reminds me of a story a couple of decades ago when a dear family friend Velma one of my mother's best friends had a horrific stroke a debilitating stroke where after the stroke, bless her heart, Velma just spoke gibberish. She just could no longer communicate with you. It was so painful to watch her as she was so frustrated and trying to communicate and to talk with us. And, and so a couple of decades ago, after Velma had this stroke, she'd been my Sunday school teacher, just a, a wonderful singer, a, a great, vibrant person. They had the centennial of the country church where I grew up. It was their 100-year celebration, and, and this is a very small little church where 50 people on a Sunday morning was a big crowd. And they had that one time in the program where they asked all the, the old gospel group that my mother and Velma and others had been a part of 50 years before, come on up, let's sing one more time. Now these ladies and gentlemen, they're in their 70s or 80s, and, and they get up there, and Velma's there, and she gets up. She gets up and takes her place. And I think, well, that, that is so sweet. That's, that's 
great. I know she can't say a word, but she's at least taking her place. But what happened next was inexplicable. For when they began to sing the song, Velma, the words just came out of her as strong and fluent and exuberant as ever. It was one of those laugh out loud and lump in the throat moments all at once. Velma was enjoying, enjoying her faith. You know, um, if we live long enough, sometimes the only thing we got left is our faith and our memories. And that's all that really matters if you got faith in the end. And if you don't have that, you don't have much. God is saying, enjoy me. Don't sweat the small stuff. Don't just be so busy chasing after things and all the stuff going on in this world that you forget to chase after me. So Jesus receives the praises of his people as they go into Jerusalem that Palm Sunday. It's on that Monday Thursday that Jesus is going to, to share in that last meal with his disciples. And we know that uh, they're celebrating the Passover meal, the Jewish Passover. And we know in the Jewish Passover, they always read and they, they sing the songs of Psalm 113 to Psalm 118, the Halil Psalms. And so Jesus, we're told in the Gospels that before they went out, before Jesus went out to the garden to be arrested and, and eventually to, to go to the cross, they sang, they sang the hymns. So before Jesus goes out to give himself up for us, he's singing these words. I lift up the cup of salvation and I call on the name of the Lord. I offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now, how do you respond to such a great salvation? How do you respond to such a wonderful Savior? How, how do you, except we praise, we sing, we find that deep joy of the Lord that never leaves us, never forsakes us. And when you and I learn to live like that, when we just learn to enjoy Him, well, God inhabits the praises of his people. I want to uh, close out with some instructions on leading, singing, and worship from 
John Wesley, who started the Methodist movement, and they're kind of humorous words, but they're really good words. So whether you're a traditionalist or whether you're a modern person or whatever kind of songs you sing in faith, uh, when we get to worship here in a little bit, I, I hope you, uh, you let it out and you do with those wimpy palm branches. You, you wave them anyway. And you sing this way. John Wesley says, sing lustily, not lustfully. <laughs> sing lustily and with good courage. Beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep, but lift up your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, nor more ashamed of it being heard than when you sung the songs of Satan. Above all, sing spiritually. Have an eye to God in every word you sing. Aim at pleasing Him more than yourself or any other creature. In order to do this, attend strictly to the sense of what you sing and set your heart as not to be carried away with the song, but continually offered to God. Continually offered to God. So shall your singing be such that the Lord will approve here, that he will reward you when he comes in the clouds of heaven. God is saying, Enjoy me. Hear me sing over you. And don't forget to sing back to me.